Hello and welcome to Conversations from the ANF podcast. In this episode, we speak to adult adoptee Rodney. He shares his experience of adoption in New Zealand in the 1960s and then moving to the UK in the 70s. As a young adult, he reconnected with his maternal family, a complicated and challenging experience that raised more questions than it answered. As always, if you've experienced adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook or Twitter page, or you can email us at aandfpodcast at gmail.com. My name's Rodney, and I was born in New Zealand in 1964, um, which which was a different era uh, completely, and especially for adoption, especially in New Zealand. That was um, the complete, total break adoption, as most people probably know. And, uh, I didn't your mother and just give to somebody else. I think it was in through the back door, out through the front door, same day, as far as I know. But um, the... Uh, Obviously, I didn't know about my mother because of that. Um, well, I was ended up adopted by an English couple who had emigrated to New Zealand in the fifties. They'd had a, they'd been through the war, so they were elderly. They're in their mid forties when they got me, and uh, but calm down a bit. Yeah, they're in the mid forties and. Uh, but for whatever reason, which we never got into, they didn't have children. So they thought, oh, I fancy a kid. And um, down to the adoption agency they went and they, they signed all the forms, had an, one interview, and both they qualified. And uh, in a few months, someone came up and that was me. And they said they got me at six months old, so uh, bruised and they said, uh, my mother said, they had to put me in the bath to get the clothes off me. They were all stuck to me. Uh, apparently, apparently, uh, when I, they weren't told anything about my mother, of course. And as I grew up, I didn't ask. Um, about seven when they told me I was adopted, something like that. But it wasn't a big thing, almost. It was just uh, something like, oh, yeah, dear, love me. And uh, yes, and when they go, that's it then. And on you, on you go. I remember going to school the next day and telling my friends at school and, well, people on you, I didn't really have many friends, but they uh, they just took it in their stride and on we went. Rugby in New Zealand. Uh, and, and school was, uh, I think I had behavioural problems, but it was, right. uh, I only noticed um, ADHD. Uh, my th- subsequent therapist said, you probably did, but I haven't had any tests don't know that but it would explain i was a difficult behavior you know make a lot of noise and uh all over the place it's because my adopted mother she couldn't cope with it and uh she would um it's in new zealand so there's nobody else around you're rural all the time yeah so growing up with nobody except you know spring, some of my holidays would be six weeks with her and she'd crack uh, sometimes it just hit me, and I'd kick, hit me, and she got annoyed with me, told me I was, uh, yeah, she she struggled to cope with her, yeah. 
child with problems, making a lot of noise. And, and the only thing to do was to climb trees in the early 70s. <laughs> nothing happened. We didn't even have TV, not properly. You know, one channel we'd get sometimes during the week. Um, it, it was uh, like the 1950s. And my father would come home from work and uh, he, um, I'd complain. She's beating me up. And uh, we, we, it didn't happen every week, but, and she'd, uh, and he'd, he'd take her aside, you know, depending yeah. why, which is what they do. Uh, anyway, that went on for a while. And uh, when I was, uh, 12, um, they, my father decided he'd go back to England. He's a real expat who moved to New Zealand but had never adopted New Zealand uh, and remained yeah. British all the way through it. Uh, and we were going back to this land of milk and honey, which was Britain. Why it wasn't milk and honey in 1952, I don't know, but after the war, but obviously it got a lot better in his mind. And we came back to, we came back to, I'm emigrated to uh, England, uh, which was horrible because what's this place? They, my yeah. parents told me it was wonderful. This is, you know, it's all brilliant over there. Of course, uh, it isn't, it's just a country. Different people, and uh, school there was horrible as school was in, in England, really. You know, the kids with behavioral problems, what do they do? Most unpopular kid in class. It was, uh, it, it just went on like that until I left school, and there was nothing much of note happened, uh, apart from being miserable and friendless. <laughs> uh, that was the but leaving school was great. And the kids I'd met in the village, suddenly I could talk to again. Everything changed. And um, I hadn't really thought about my mum. What I had, it had been in the back of your mind. What are you going to do when you're a teenager? You, you, you're not going to go on some trek. Well, I wasn't. Um, but then as soon as I left school, I started thinking about it. And um, my friends, who are still the, those people I met after I left, who I still know today, they remember some of them came up to London going to pointless trips in the New Zealand house to, to look through electoral rolls, which was ridiculous because I didn't even know it have a name. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, but uh, obviously, I, then I followed the normal path of adopted kids and got into drinking drugs uh, with all my mates. Um, I avoided the worst of it. I suppose only a few people died of heroin overdoses, but uh, it was, um, I actually remember most of it as fun, but it was getting near, it was getting a bit ragged. You know, the police were coming around, um, mostly motoring offences. I didn't seem to have much of a stop line at the time. Uh, and uh, my family had moved. I'd ended up with a French girlfriend. It's a long story. But I ended up with a French girlfriend. So I'm 24 by now, uh, living in France. Uh, things of note is, I can't remember what the things of note were. I didn't get much out of school, a few O-levels, um, which I did quite well. I didn't get any. 
and I had some mates, some good mates, and this girlfriend, a French girl. She's very nice. I, I was just dragging around in alcoholism, basically keeping things together. Just uh, you know, a criminal damage charge here, uh, um, drunk and disorderly here. Uh, it was it was going downhill. Um, and then at 24, I wrote a letter to New Zealand High Commission uh, saying, where's my mother? I was adopted. Mm. And uh, they sent it off. I, that's my memory of it, right, to High Commission. But I may have written to someone in New Zealand, actually. Anyway, that's it. I, I go off to France. Forget about the letter. My French girlfriend. Um, living in France for a few months, and next thing I know, the phone's ringing in France, and it's my adopted father saying that my mother had rung him up, and uh, I was a bit shocked because I hadn't told them anything that had happened. I hadn't told them what I was doing. I was planning to see where I ended up and then mm. discuss it with them. However, the she had put her name down with the social services in New Zealand to contact her, which they had right. done. Yeah. And uh, and she had t talked to them and managed to get my last name from them, uh, which they should never have given her, obviously. And from that, she then got a phone book out of uh, Britain and started ringing everyone with my last name <laughs> until she found my... Yeah, she was keen to see me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, and so she was calling from New Zealand as well. Yes, uh, that's it. She was uh, in Australia. All right. The family had emigrated to Australia. And, and so she hadn't got through to me, so I rang her up from France, and uh, there she was. After, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what to make of it. I was in shock, kind of. But immediately... That's where my attention went. It was really the end of my relationship with the French girl. It was the end of so many things I'd been doing in Britain. And uh, I can't remember what we said. We had many conversations by, from phone boxes with with 50p pieces. Was it then 20, 10p and 5p, I believe. But uh, we had loads of those. It transpired she had had me at 15 years old in the Salvation Army Hospital in Wellington, New Zealand, which is where you stick 15-year-old girls who get pregnant in 1964, yeah. in the Salvation Army. My um, dad wasn't mentioned at all. And she was from a very large family, 12 of them. Uh, and um, she regretted it all and now wanted to to see me uh, and I don't remember any sorries or anything but well, I wouldn't hold that against her uh, and, uh, and there was um, what to do well a ticket arrived next a plane ticket arrived one way ticket to Australia it turns out my granddad yeah yeah had a bit of money he'd made good so I thought <laughs> granddad uh, and um and so this ticket arrived, and, and there it was, boff, within a month, I'd say from first talking to it, I'm flying to New Zealand. 
well, I'm not on the plane yet, but I've got a ticket. Uh, I've got to leave England. They're just off to Australia uh, to go and see my mother. Uh, I mean, that's, so I, I, there's, I've got a few <laughs> questions, um, if I can. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a one-way ticket. Yes. That's, that's, that's yeah, I mean, you're, you're all in, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And with and what you'll notice is the lack of any third party. When I see these adoption things now, there's always a social worker somewhere. Yeah. Or someone acting as an intermediary, whether it's a TV person or, or some kind of letter writer. Yeah. None of that. No, it was it was all in. It was, hey, mum, like a time, wow. like a gap had happened. And... Let's just forget about the gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah, it seems shocking now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I just, you, just, you described as well that you said it was the end of lots of things. Did, looking back now, can you, you sort of attribute some of those difficulties and complications, you know, your, your behavior at school and then that sort of that? At the time, though, did you see that? No. Or was that right? I had a, a, a vague sense that things weren't right, but that was all put. It was total break adoption. The past was nothing to do with where I was. We weren't right. supposed to think that. I had no joined up bit in my head between my past affecting where I am now. Yes. Yeah. It's all down to me. If I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy. I should do something about it. It's not my. It's yeah, nothing to do with me. It, it, is it? Well, it's nothing to do with it. If it's happened to yeah. me, I've just got to pull myself up. That was the. I mean, what were my father being from the war generation too? You know, they never spoke about anything. They didn't emote. Mm. Very rarely, you know, they didn't say what they thought or how they felt. Uh, which was their so strength did, weakness. Did you have any sense of what they thought about you, um, your plan to move? I didn't. No, it was, no, I didn't. I I, I would, was about to say I didn't care. Um, is that true? Uh, I did, but it was secondary. Yeah. I was always going to push them into the background. And this was my, I was following my star. Because I'd been so unhappy in school and whatnot, I kind of looked at, at this as uh, foolishly as they were going to come along and save me, make me happy again. This woman who abandoned me was magically going to be a knight in shining armour somehow. Was, it doesn't make any sense at all, but for her to make me happy when it was her fault I was there in the first place, you know? But uh, so I, I was happy to dive in with, with all of it. I didn't even think of it. I mean, other people expressed doubt. My girlfriend at the time, are you sure about yeah. this? <laughs> Going to Australia, what are you talking about? She was French, she had visa problems. She was determined to follow me. And so off, off I went. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I had no meaningful conversations with my parents in England about it or be careful you know look after yourself yeah. England's not so bad stuff like that and, and off I went <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I've got a bit. I got more than I bargained for. Out there. <laughs> right. Yes. So you so you arrived in Australia. What what was that <laughs> meeting like? Um, it was a bit nothing. It was a bit. Uh, look, there's this woman. There she is. We had a hug. She was with her husband. I was quite glad to you know that he allowed this. I didn't know they. I could imagine a third party could create havoc. Hmm. It, it would never happen. I had this brother and sister. There's also another sister who had been adopted uh, after me. But I didn't know that till she didn't tell me immediately. And there she was, and we'd get in the car, and I'm jet-lagged, and we drive back to their house. And uh, and she starts sitting down, and we're talking about what happened. And, I, again, I don't remember all the details. Uh, she told me, now, the husband was sitting sitting over there in the room listening, and she told me she was raped. That, oh, that, that's what. But she then got on and named me after a rapist which yeah that's I mean, I, she'd given me his name and i couldn't get my head around that mm. if he did that what you know oh, it's difficult this because whilst you don't want to believe that you know okay she's telling me this is it uh, so i didn't really make know what to make of it uh and she she was living with this man. It was horrible. He was horrible. He was quiet, sat in the background. And she'd say, um, if she was talking to me and she's, her voice would, he'd go tell her to be quiet in the middle of a conversation, like control her. She, and then she'd say, oh, yes, I'm sorry. Sometimes I speak too loudly. You know, she was completely controlled by him. Oh, and also they were Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the first night and they're thanking God. And you could see there was problems there. My my younger brother, he's a big guy. I'd always wanted a younger brother, you know, and I thought, oh well, yeah, I'll be younger, I'm the bigger brother, I'm the older, I'll be able to push about a bit. No, thank you. He was a big fella. <laughs> and he, he had behavioural problems himself. He He'd been done for torture of a cat, animal torture, which is, yes, the first step to psychopath. You know, it's, it's bad. So, it must have been really, so there's this whole new landscape you're trying to come to terms with in the midst of all of the stuff that's going on inside of you. <laughs> yeah. And so what happened? Did you stay with them? Did you, you know, how long did you spend in Australia? Oh, I spent years, but uh, I, uh, right. <laughs> I am, um, well, the family haven't, haven't even really started yet. Uh, right. So we're going, this is in Queensland, and I'm in this crazy household, on the surface, everything is calm, but underneath, it's not right at all. It's, my, my brother, you could see, he was arguing with his father, and, and I, I don't know what to make of it, honestly, but we're going to meet the family and go to granddad's property. So grandfather comes into it now. And we drive down there, which is a half a day's drive to this big farm he owns. Um, and while I'm, this is two weeks after I've been there, 
and Glenda and my, my uncle's down there. Two of my uncles, one of them lives and works on this farm. And and granddad, and there's my grandfather's four-wheel drive. It's Australian. I said he was in these big tractors everywhere. And, and he says to one of my uncles, take the boy out to shoot. So so next thing, that afternoon, we go out in a four-wheel drive with a tray full of weapons on the back to go and shoot things. It's M16s and Kalashnikovs. And I, I don't know what they were, but all kinds of things. Granddad's a bit of a gunman, it turns out. <laughs> that's his uh, one of his hobbies there's all kinds of things a massive bulldozer up there like huge which, and he like he's apparently one of them said my uncles used to like to get in it and go over and crush a load of cars to let off some stress you know um, and fire his machine gun <laughs> and uh, yeah so but my granddad's a bit of a character I'm thinking at this point, he's made a lot of money. He's got loads of guns, these cars and everything, but he's really down to earth, you could say. Uh, and we go, we, we go on from that property to his house in Sydney to meet the wider family. Uh, two were dead at that stage of my aunt's uncle, so he committed suicide. Um, was it two? Yeah, it was two then. Uh, horrible detail one had shot themselves in the stomach uh, um, granddad had found the body of the, it was or the other one in his house shot in the head it, it was all very grim mm. but you're not thinking on that because there's all these aunts and uncles arriving I've been there two weeks and they're all coming out to meet me hello 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 uh, so were they sort of just embracing you as this long lost yes because child. I, I'd been with them for six months before my I'd been adopted and she hadn't lived at the house. She'd taken me there quite often and they remembered me. It was a big deal, I was told at the time that their eldest sister had got pregnant at 15 and brought this baby back. So uh, they all remembered me. Because that makes that when you said you'd. Um you'd been adopted at six months. I'd sort of, I had presumed that you'd been sort of in institutional care. No. For she, six months. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. She, um, to make that clear, yeah, she tried, but done a bad job. Uh, yeah. She, yeah. She's 15. From, as I yeah. discovered, an abused home. Um, and, uh, so, they're all getting together to meet Diane's lost baby. That was my mother's name. And uh, she, uh, well, they, I think they had to. <laughs> they felt they had to to keep her happy. But uh, And they were introduced to me. It was a whirlwind evening. The next day, uh, four of my uncles, I'll never forget this, four of them took me out for a drive. And, and they had a chat with me in the car. I've been there two weeks and one day. I talked to these four people in this car. And I, it, the thing was, it felt so normal uh, in a way. I felt they were my uncles. Right. That I'd never had before. It's the way we were talking. Mm-hmm. It, it just hand in glove, this lot. Yeah. See, looking at them, that we look similar. This is what you know. This is what I wanted. 
family, this being. And they got me in the car. I said, "You're don't go to Queensland. Don't go back up there. You know, you can't, you can't live with him. You don't know what he's like. Your mother's fine, but she's falling with this man. If you do that, then what am I to do? Well, granddad's got the farm. You can work on the farm for a bit. He'll look after And I don't, now when looking back, what that was like for my mother, when I told her after waiting all that time, and then two weeks had gone by and I was off. So basically. Yeah. I mean, how not to do it? The whole situation. Yeah. 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 (laughs) A one way ticket to the other side of the world, staying with people you've never met and then leaving people you've Mm. never met after two weeks. But I did that and ended up on the property in the middle of nowhere, uh, farming, helping my uncle on this big uh, stud farm called his bulls. Because um, Granddad said he would, he, he put, and he paid me a wage to down there until my girlfriend from France came over when we were going to move to Sydney. Well, I'd hoped she could stay with me up there, but she would never have survived in the, in the outback. <laughs> As a, she's from Paris. Yeah. It's very, yeah, you got it. Um, and I, had a great, I, had a, I did go and start there, and my Uncle Mark up there, he was wonderful, and he tried, they all tried to warn me what was coming about the family. And the more I got in, the less I heard. Uh, mm. And we, we sort of went along. She, my girlfriend came over from France. I mean, I fired loads more guns up there. That was, you know, big thing at the time. Look, I realised I hate guns because... Um, what they do, um, I mean, granddad, loads of them bazookas, M62s, you know, those things off proper weapons. Um, um, eventually, the French girl came over, uh, and I moved to France with her, um, to Sydney, where I'm the lift of property, and, and we staggered out and borrowed some money off granddad to get some somewhere to stay and stuff. and I just can't begin with him. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather driving at breakneck speed up and down the country. He used to be a speedway racer in the 60s and was a very good driver, but his eyesight had gone with diabetes. So at night time, it was like you were going to die at every corner because he would be at breakneck speed, flipping the car around, all sorts of things. <laughs> anyway, he died. Uh, after maybe nine months, a year, I can't remember now. And we'd we'd, we'd got ourselves a flat, I got a job. And I used to go and see him every every month or so, and we'd have, you know, I, I felt some sort of closeness to him. And then he died, and I... Um, and that's when the, then this shit hit the fan, then. Uh, as he kept a lid on everything, the you know, funeral came and went. Now, at the funeral, there were these people in in suits and dark coats and big cars. 
and, and they were Italian, and that was the mafia, as I subsequently found out in Australia. Uh, and uh, then people came over for the funeral. Great Uncle Roger, for instance, his brother, and I. And I was in being adopted didn't make any difference. I was in that crew, and stuff started. You know, Roger was such a criminal. He spent all day saying how to commit arson on a car. Was the best way to do it, so you don't get caught. And uh, describing the various crimes, he told me that my grandfather had done, and I hadn't heard any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, all sorts of things, from killing sheep in New Zealand in in the sixties to, to to murder, to it, it really, it, well, I didn't know what to make of it. And you know, I'm twenty yeah. six at this point. What are you telling me this for? <laughs> but it must have been. I mean, you know, a few years earlier, you'd been living in England. Yeah, you you'd moved to England. But you'd sort of you've you'd found your family, but all of a sudden, as you're peeling the the onion layers back, you're discovering Completely. that these are your family. Yes, but yeah. there's some stuff. <laughs> this oh, is it's complicated worse stuff. Than that. <laughs> it, all right, okay, keep going. Well, the the most dysfunctional, abusive family in New Zealand and in Australia, I think it, and it sort of came out bit by bit. Uh, the um, when I was 20, I think it's my 26th birthday, an auntie rang me up. I was at work and she said, Oh, hi, Rod. How are you? Did you know that your grandfather was your father? <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I, I hadn't actually, <laughs> auntie. Uh, no one had told me that. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you? Yes, it, it was quite. Um, Unexpected. I mean, you're laughing now, but yeah. Well, what do you do? Uh, yeah, I, I went in a spin at the time. Al, it's safe to say. I called my mother uh, in Queensland and and flew up there, and she said things like, "I can promise you, Rodney, that my father never touched me." But the thing is, he had touched her sisters. He had there was incest in the family, and with incest, you know, no one wants wants to confront that well yeah. at the time they didn't i'm not sure i'm not an expert in how people cope but they didn't uh, really want there wasn't some uh intervention where anyone was gonna confront yeah. it and open up about it it was very much a dark thing obviously and her, and now he died. This had started all coming out. Yeah, he sounds like he had such a control, like yeah. a dominance over the whole family. Like you said, you mentioned he was he kept a lid on it. Yes, he did. He was very, yeah. He did. we had twelve kids, and in the times I don't know times that his wife was too pregnant. I think he just went to his daughters. It's, it's that he did anyway. Not all of them, apparently. But uh, but then you have time to reassess Granddad. But that wasn't all. Uh, the money, um, 
it became apparent that the money had been gained criminal money basically uh he was a criminal um right and his main income was uh, supply distribution and manufacturing of amphetamines um, industrial quantities uh, and um and side line of weapons so he sell guns pistols thousand dollars a pop guaranteed untraceable that sort of thing yeah um dear old granddad <laughs> it was all that it still is i mean how do you feel about this person who it's horrible uh, and without any boundaries but he's your granddad and you used to love him <laughs> it, oh, it's difficult and um, yeah my aunts and uncles struggled with it. Yeah. Because my, my grandmother was worse. <laughs> she used to take out her frustrations with a lump of 4B2. Uh, uh, and they described her as having no love at all. But was she made like that by him? I mean, uh, yeah. I took it all uh, on board. Well, I was thinking that the con the conflict between you know having that sense of I found where I belong, mm. but then to discover that where you belong is not a safe or uh, wholesome place, you know, which is what the you know if if at twenty you you'd had a vision of what your family was, your biological family, this was not it. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't not it. Uh, but I mean, they were characters. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they were all damaged by their their experiences, uh, without doubt. Uh, and in a difficult place because the business, you see, the business carried on. Well, what you, it's, yeah. it's amphetamines, and uh, there was a lot of money in it. And um, my uncles, several of them, had been helping or helping, working for my granddad in, in, right. in the crime industry. And when he died, they took over, or one of them in particular, who I was very close to. I'd spent um, uh, every week I'd go and see him, and we could go out together and you know, felt a real connection. Uh, but he took over. Uh, the amphetamines business um uh, and he wasn't it transpired he wasn't a big enough bastard to, to do it yeah it's not uh you it's not anything else it's a business if you you don't make a hostile takeover you remove the opposition yeah uh, 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 he was the granddad was paying off judges paying off policemen to keep himself on straight well keep himself out of jail uh, my uncle wasn't just wasn't no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> didn't have the it, was... it took in that industry <laughs> to to succeed he survived for a bit but I so were you were you complicit in any of this we had you sort of sort of standing um, on the edge or were you in the you know i, I don't want to i don't want to get you no, no, um, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't helping him um in but i i was sort of aware of it all because he used yeah. me 
as a kind of sounding board to to stress relief thing where he would which he shouldn't have done because i was yeah i didn't say anything to him but you know you don't pick your younger nephew in that role you need someone more professional uh yeah i i but yeah i knew about it shortly before he was arrested which was the inevitable end he um he took me and showed me the 47 kilos of speed in these boxes there was all kinds of um uh, special weapons he's, he'd prepared this gun for he was convinced he was being followed which he was but it wasn't by the Italians it was by the police mm. uh, and they were moving in the night, and I, the night he was arrested I'd, I'd been around him my girlfriend and I'd been around there just another evening night and I left uh, and they waited till we'd gone and went over the fence and, and arrested him uh, I'm glad they wait till I come. Uh, and uh, then we, we uh, he's in prison then, and uh, it is our main sort of my main social contacts. The person I'd seen was Wayne, and uh, so when we started visiting him in prison, because I mean I'd known, I knew it was a crime, I knew he was breaking the law all the way through. I don't know that he he did have a choice, but he didn't feel he did. Yeah. Uh, was he a bad person? Is he a bad person? I mean, he sold drugs to people, so yes, but no, he wasn't. Sort of normalised behaviour or a normalised way of making a living. So yeah. that that leaves you in there quite a really, you know, what a tumultuous period of your life. Ah. Um and yeah. did your adoptive parents, were they, you know, did they know anything of this? Were no. they just kind of, had you just disappeared, you know, postcard once a year sort of thing? I used to ring up every so often, uh, uh, see how they were. Um, not not monthly, but every couple of months. Yeah. And they didn't know anything else. Nothing. No, no. Right. Uh, and I didn't say a single word uh, <laughs> about the amphetamine distribution manufacturing business um yeah i I was my only anchor then was my friends back in england i would would call up and and talk to uh, my girlfriend was a bit uh, she was there with me but uh we obviously related to it differently yeah (laughs) What had happened? Quite a shock for her as well. I think I don't think she was. She signed up for that journey <laughs> no. either, did she? <laughs> yeah, no, she she didn't. No, we, yeah, didn't imagine I'd be there. Uh, yeah, but um, well, yeah, the the trial went on, and um, he got fifteen years for his, uh, which is, and then, then then the prison visiting started. You know, you, you can gather, but by this time I was part of the family I mean it's like you said it's like there'd been a gap in the relationship of from when I was six months to when I was 24 and, and we just glossed over those 24 years it didn't I was the things that bound us together 
really shocking, dramatic. They were very deep. Uh, it felt that way. Uh, I was in, you know, it was just that was where I lived and that's what I was doing. I was visiting Wayne in prison. But it, it, it had taken its toll on me and I got out of Australia. I wanted to leave. But my the French girlfriend I had, she had now by this time applied for residency uh, and her visa and stuff. I had that. She wasn't allowed to leave. For, uh, yeah. She had to be back within two years. So I got out, basically, of Australia and uh, came back to England. Uh, um, to be, turned out to be temporarily. We were here for less than two years. It wasn't a very happy time. Um, I was still drinking uh, in a daze, really. I didn't make any sense of it. Uh, we ended up going back to Australia again. But obviously, this time he, he, he'd done a deal with my uncle. He'd got out of prison. He didn't do 15 years. He sung like a canary. Uh, and you find that most people do <laughs> to save their own ex honor among thieves what a lie that is there's none and uh so he was out of jail we <laughs> i hooked up with him and but it was all above board uh, and i spent the, the next what, four or five years in australia but my family didn't have too much to do with it was mainly just living in australia because it was a better yeah. step of life and and whatnot. My, my mother kept trying to reach out, but she was with that bloke. That horrible. Because he, I mean, every one of my relatives, or my aunts and uncles, had a horrible tale to tell. Mm. Of, of awful. Like, uh, and Auntie Denise, she's dead, unfortunately. She was 15 when my mother's husband uh, got her pregnant. Um, uh, and he claimed the classic that she um, she seduced him. She's fifteen, you bastard! Uh, and that this gave her an eating disorder, uh, or contributed towards it. That and her father being her father. I mean, what, what chance did she have? And you know, it's terrible. My, my auntie Denise was was going out with a heroin addict she, she had three children uh was it four she had four children and she shot herself in the stomach with a shotgun um we we really can go on uncle paul had three kids who were with his drug addicted wife he, he called his little vegetable there's 12 stories of misery and uh, this time I went to Australia. I was getting out of that for a second. I was going down the tunnel there. Um, I didn't really see. I just lived in Australia with this French girl who subsequently left me once she got her visa. <laughs> got to give it to her. <laughs> I'm all not angry at her. <laughs> she got to get something out of suffering through all that misery. It was the best thing that happened. <laughs> she, she left me, thank God. Uh, and I had quite a, quite a nice year. Of, but at the same time, uh, then my adopted mother became sick with cancer in England. And she was elderly and she had uh, 
um, was it um, ovarian cancer? It was horrible. Two years of misery. Uh, 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 cancer. So I flew back once to see her before she died, uh, and I never forget to sit on bed with her, and she's got a few months to live with it. And the absolute silence. We couldn't cross any boundaries. Still, even with yeah. it, I couldn't bring myself to happen, and neither could she. We pretended, and I realised what what I'd done. The whole, a lot of it was just pretending, mm. and in order to keep things as they were in status quo, we we kept on pretending, and. And then I went back to New Zealand, uh, to Australia, and she died. Uh, so I was really, you know, back to England to bury her. I uh, see my father; he was in a terrible state. Um, and then, and then a year later, as often happens, he died. Yeah. He fell up a ladder because his wife wasn't there to tell him to not be an idiot and climb up that rickety old ladder. Mm. <laughs> That's which what happens a lot of the time. Then I'd come back and I had six weeks to sell the house uh, or do whatever I was going to do. I ended up selling it. And then I'm back in Australia with no, nothing over here then. I had my friends, no family in Australia because I didn't really engage with them anymore. Uh, indirectly. Kind of an uncle here, an uncle there. I'd speak to. Um, I'd speak to my brother at the time, my sister, and it was pretty miserable. Uh, the sun was shining, but uh, I, I felt I, I had no one now. That was it. Any ties had all gone, and, and so I went back to England. I ran away. I came back to England. I thought, what I need to do now is go in the pub with my friends, try that medicine, and I did. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and for a couple of years, it was wonderful. Uh, but obviously, all things must end. Uh, but I've, I'll tell you how I did very well in having friends. I've, I've only a few; they're very dear to me, and. Uh, They've been there through the whole thing, from the early trips to New Zealand House to visiting me in Australia. So uh, once we had to split up, <laughs> me and my friends, because we'd all met other women. Uh, um, I, well, that's one thing. I never wanted children. I never thought. It really affected how I thought of children. Yeah. I thought the shit gene would get in them. I just yeah. thought it was they'd be doomed. Look at this. Look at this nightmare. I can't have kids. Uh, but obviously, that's wrong. <laughs> and as soon as uh, in, uh, my current partner fell pregnant, it was a joy uh, because they're not brought up like you, you know. Yeah. They're... The, the fact that he brought up, and I'm amazed, the police never came around. <laughs> he hasn't, hasn't. He got drunk a few times. Fine, not every night. He hasn't got the devils that I had chasing him. Hmm. So, thank good, and that's been wonderful. 
I must have been, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not going to pretend to be, but it seems like that that must have been like the first sort of clean slate moment in your life. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Here yeah. we are. Yeah, but no, it's not poisoned by what's happened before. Quite a good way to put it. And, and it's all it's all gone well. I mean, there's struggles with it. You know, it's been apparent, but I think we've done well. But uh, anyway, a load of things happened. Um, it's not quite. I'm not over yet. I mean, my mother, my mother died. She had in Australia. She had early onset dementia. So. I'm told she was wandering around the home with a picture of me from when I was a baby, uh, which I think is, uh, if that's true, it, that's a, a moment in her life that was so big mm. that she held on to it in her, in her in later insanity or mental illness. That was the one she remembered, and um, and I can see why, because uh, when it had happened, she'd fallen pregnant to my father, as I subsequently learned, and he'd come around the house. To this this rapist had come around to the house to uh, to be read the right act by my granddad, which is ironic in the extreme. But what a no good! He came in with his parents. What a no good! What's it? He was getting this 15, he was 19, getting this 15 year old girl pregnant because she was underage, obviously. Um, and uh, he should never see her again. It's, it's banished into, into, and I never knew anything about him at all, apart from, like I said, his name was Lindsay. Because you had said earlier that your grandfather was your father. So no, was that. that that, that didn't just, turn out to be true, but no, no, still, no. there was an incestual relationship. There was, but not with, yeah, I, I wasn't part. No, that was just my auntie. She had right. actually been, uh, one of my other aunties had a beef with my mother and so had wound up Auntie B. And sort of spread these yeah, rumours. Because there was truth to them. They were grounded, you know. Yeah, yeah, cranky. Family. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the half of it. <laughs> really, there's, there's, there's yeah. families. You know the depths they go to. You, uh, the the three disabled children with the addicted wife. Her own addicted wife is the one that gets me. Jovis, once you get Jovis, when my granddad died, there was three tables for the relatives at the wake. There was the Jehovah's Witness table, the drunk table, and, and the heroin addicts table. And, and the table you didn't want to be at was the Jehovah's Witness table. Uh, the, the, it was a bizarre. Yeah. Be, uh, but, so, uh, so was there any chance that you would ever be able to find out who your father was? Well, this, here we go. Uh, yes. And um, in 2020, so I was at home and, and I thought, why not? I spat in a jar and sent off a DNA sample with Ancestry.com. And lo and behold, because my mother didn't even tell me his name. She, well, she, it was one of two things she could, couldn't remember. 
which which you know okay you remembered his first name but anyway and this found out this there was a mysterious other name in the dna thing richardson and uh and after i don't know um what about uh, a month of contacting people and boom, boom, boom i had this phone number for this guy <laughs> and there he was that that was amazing that was that was i really i'd given up on him i don't know who he was what who what what what, what where, where'd you go you told mum you were just going out for some cigarettes in 1964 and where are you and uh and there he was i found him and i got in touch with Lindsay, and uh he's in new zealand and it was great he um he he said he was sorry he hadn't been there and that meant so much that that was just that one time he's just been normal he's been a good pretty much i mean he's a bit weird <laughs> he's 78 he's uh, you know he's, he's he's somebody's dad uh, i've got um i had four brothers one of whom has died uh, his, his life wasn't he was a uh, more of a story he was a gold miner like aussie gold miners and uh, gold right. hunters and he found loads of gold he was a musician i've always played guitar but he was a musician all his life uh, he was in uh, mechanics he was a car one of the fathers of the nz hot rod community which meant a lot to me because you know, i've always been into mechanical things it, it was scary meeting him and because i then i got in touch and i went to new zealand in the pandemic but the, in the pandemic it was the same as meeting my mother i, I was just right i'm off i've got to go yeah i've got to see this man before he dies and and just see him and and i did and it was it was very it was good and, and we're still in touch i spoke to him just the other night but it had a happy ending it, and i do think it's an ending but because i've got nowhere else to travel with it i'm getting too old to want to do it even if i did yeah uh, it's it's been a now it is coming to the end, or all coming to an end. A different phase, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've I've got quite a lot out of it, and a brother in, in Australia. We, we're very we we're close-ish. You know, we're we're close. It's just he's in Australia. Um, yeah. It's a long time, and I, I don't know when I'll get there. Yeah, and some aunts and uncles. I think it. Uh, it was always going to be this way, my family. But, um, yeah. And have you had help? Because I'm conscious that uh, there's that it's such a really complicated. You mentioned before no, that you know you, oh you look God. now, and you see that there's professionals who support people. But you know, it sounds like there's been an. You know, you've you've summarised the life in an hour, but to my mind, there's so much. So each one of those little parts is so potent and so powerful. Well, but um, I, I did when I before I met my father. Uh, after I got in touch with him, I, I, I sought out therapy. Right. But, right this time, I'm going to try and. I didn't actually know completely why, 
I just thought I need, I should do. I did it last time and look what happened. Because all during that, I mean, I've told you, like you say, and I've smiled and laughed, but it was, it was utter hell. Yeah. Bits of it, <laughs> you know. And yeah, all kinds of uh, drunken evenings crying into my beer over that. But uh, uh, yeah, I saw a therapist, which was, um, which showed me it's, it's huge. <laughs> you, yeah. I thought, even now at 50, I thought, I'll go and see therapist, have a chat. He'll tell me something, I'll be better. <laughs> Just like that. Yes, like that. Yeah, but of course, it doesn't work that way, does it? And it became soon became apparent. Saying, no, that this isn't going to work. <laughs> so I'm going to have to, because there's so much in there, a lifetime. But yeah. uh, it, it opened my eyes up to it anyway. I'm, I'm more receptive to it, but um, but uh, now. I wonder what my son's going to get out of it. I mean, I don't know. He's not engaged with this family over there because it doesn't matter. But at least I suppose it's made me a bit calmer. So he got that out of it. Yeah, because, I mean, making sense of it for your son must be quite difficult as well because there's there's elements of that story that are really not nice at all. No. Pretty no. Awful. The, the, the crime, the... Uh, Granddad, granddad, granddad. Hmm. Yeah, it's difficult. A character like that, I related to a paedophile. What? Yeah. But you're still related to him, even though you've just called him a paedophile. So, uh, and you to say you did the good things about him, but. Uh, they're so easily, so far outweighed by a heartbeat. It doesn't matter. There's, there's no redemption in it. And you still have to take, but you still have to take that person uh, existed and mm. had and had a a good effect on my life. He helped me. I felt. Yeah. It's incredibly complicated <laughs> it is to make any up. sense of, isn't it? But it yeah. sounds like you're, you've, I mean, a lot of time has passed against since then, but it sounds like you've, you're in a place of peace at the moment. And Yeah, with, with my family, I am. Yes, I, I, would, I would say so. I, I don't feel the angst about it at any. It's, it's just my, it's my story now, but I, I wonder when I see other people, again, beginning this journey every every it's behind every door isn't it uh, for mm. adopted adopted kids the the, the complexity uh, of what people did in the yeah. past put you there uh, uh, I don't know how I don't know how uh I don't know. I've lost my thread. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Rodney, you've been so open and honest, and I really appreciate you giving your time. So 
I just want to thank you and wish you well, really, in the future. Well, uh, thank you. Um, it's uh, like I said to you, we started. Uh, I wanted to make a record of it if, if in yeah. some way. Well, I can't write it down. <laughs> and hopefully, I'll be inform my son sometime in his life. Excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you, Al. Mm-hmm.